You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. Then Jesus said to the person who invited him, When you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you in return, and that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, crippled, lame, and blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when they just are resurrected. The word of God for the people of God. Please join me in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. For the last few years of my grandmother's life, she used a wheelchair. And she really didn't have much mobility at all. She could transfer from one chair to the next, from her wheelchair to another chair. So she couldn't move or get around at all without her wheelchair. And so a few years ago, my family and I took my grandma Crum, this is my dad's mother, out to lunch at a local restaurant here in Clarkston. And I'd made a reservation because we were, we were a good-sized group and it was Mother's Day, so as you can imagine, there was a lot of demand at the restaurants. And when I made my reservation, I specifically requested a low table and not a high top table. And I said when I requested it, we have somebody in our party who is in a wheelchair, so I need an accessible seat. So we arrived at the restaurant and we were told that the last low regular table had just been seated. And we were led over to a different part of the restaurant and a series of high top tables. And the whole family immediately said, oh no, this, this is not gonna work. There is no way for my grandmother to transfer from her wheelchair to one of these really tall seats at the high top tables. You know what kind I'm talking about. And our server, who, bless her, was not involved in the reservation process and really was just trying to make the best out of a bad situation, said, you know what, I think we can make this work. And she pulled over one little low table and she stuck it on the end of the row and she pulled up another low chair and she said, here we go which would have meant that most of us were eating with our heads at this level, and my grandma was eating with her head at this level. And to our server, and probably to many of us looking from the outside in, it may not have seemed like a big deal. It was one meal. My grandma would have been included at a table that was an appropriate height for her to eat her meal on the end. But what my family knew from conversations with my grandmother, and what you all know if you have loved somebody who uses a wheelchair or other mobility device, is that my grandma would have felt like an afterthought. It would have been painful for her to be seated this way at a family meal on Mother's Day. Everyone is up here, and she's down here at the end. She'd be included kind of, but not really. Not, not like everybody else. She certainly wouldn't be able to hear what was happening at the other end of the table, which already was kind of a challenge for her in her 90s. And 
While for me, as I think back on this event, it's a single anecdote of a single dinner, this was my grandma's everyday reality, navigating life in a wheelchair. Accommodations are often offered for people with different needs, but also often they feel kind of like an afterthought. Her everyday reality included this kind of situation where this extra table had been pulled up on the end and she had a place, but it wasn't at the real table with the main group where the rest of the people were sitting, sending the message that maybe she wasn't really part of the main group. And on that particular day, we ended up waiting at the restaurant until another party left and we could all sit together at a table or a couple of tables that were the same height. But that moment, it stuck in my head for years because of how often that situation happens symbolically in our communities and in our churches, where we set a table or an invitation with certain assumptions in mind, certain parameters, certain ideas of what's needed, and we don't always realize that there are people for whom that table is not going to work. There are people who need us to reimagine with them, alongside them, what a different kind of table might look like what a different kind of party or dinner might look like. And that's part of what I love about the Gospel of Luke that Hallie read from, a, from this morning. Luke's Gospel includes a lot of stories that remind us to look out for people who might need that different kind of table, who might need us to think about a different kind of seat and a different kind of invitation. Now, Jesus ate with a lot of people throughout Scripture, and he talked a lot in the Gospels about what a meal should look like, what it means to come together and eat. He even talked about who should sit where. For example, right before the scripture passage that we heard this morning, Jesus told a story about guests at a dinner table that you may have heard before. He told his disciples, don't pick the best place around the table because somebody with more honor or more status might come and then you'll get demoted. Now, it was kind of a story about a meal, but it was also, as you'll remember, kind of a story about pride and humility. Go in thinking that you're just as good as everybody else and allow somebody else to raise you up. Don't wait to get knocked down from a place of pride. He uses these images of a table, of a meal, to help us understand how to live together. And then in the scripture we just heard this morning, Jesus turns again to a meal as an illustration. He says, the next time you put on a dinner, don't invite your friends and your family and your rich neighbors and the kind of people who are going to return the favor and invite you back. Instead, invite some people who never get invited out. The message translation says, invite the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks, the kind of person that doesn't usually get an invitation to dinner. And then you'll be and you'll experience a blessing. In Jesus' time, meals were really intertwined with culture in ways that meant if you messed up a meal, if you messed up an invitation, if you messed up the seating, you really were in trouble. There were lots of rules around the food itself. So for somebody like Jesus, who was an observant Jew, um, and for others like him, what was clean, what was not clean, how was it prepared, what other foods could it be served with, all of that really mattered to people in Jesus' time. And then there were matters of washing and ceremonial cleaning and seating arrangements, as alluded to in the passage right before we heard today. Um, they were complicated. They were a matter of great significance. And it wasn't just that people were seated in a particular order, which did matter, but also the food and the service you received based on where you were seated was different. So if you were one of the guests of honor, you were served larger portions of better food. 
and you might be sitting at the same table with somebody but have a completely different meal based on your status or your perceived status at that gathering. So one person might be eating a sirloin steak over here and the next person might be eating ground beef over here. And there's nothing wrong with either of those things if you're at a bar backyard barbecue and you get the choice. But if you're at a table together with people and one person is served one thing and another is served another, that would feel weird to us, wouldn't it? But that was the reality in Jesus' day. The lower you ranked, the smaller your portion, the lower in quality your food was. So for Jesus to suggest inviting people who would never have ranked on the invitation list in the first place, that is radical stuff. That is really outside the norms and the expectations of the day. But you know what? That's part of what I love about Jesus. He is always defying our expectations. He's always turning things on their heads. He says to us, you know, you're worried about this thing over here, but really the challenge is over here if you think about it. Jesus constantly is doing that to us. In today's society, most of us don't have the same kinds of hang-ups about food and preparation and meals that Jesus' original listeners would have, at least not in those same ways. But the complex work of inclusion and invitation and looking through the lens of other people's needs, that's an ongoing challenge, the same as it was thousands of years ago. And I think it's natural, isn't it? We want to include people who look like us, who think like us, who move like us, because those are the kinds of people it's easy for us to connect with in some ways. Just like the people to whom Jesus was talking. We invite our friends, we invite our family. It's natural to invite those people, isn't it? And yet, on the other hand, it's personal experience with people who are different from ourselves that often ex changes and expands our perspective on things. So. Once we've loved somebody who lives life in a wheelchair, it's easier to imagine what life might be like for them. It's easier to imagine how we might advocate, what things we need to put in place to help that person feel welcomed in our home, in our church, in our community. Once we've loved somebody who's experienced bullying, it's easier to imagine how we might respond, what kind of education we want other people to have. Once we've loved somebody who's experienced racism or sexism or homophobia or transphobia, it's easier to, to feel personally invested in working towards justice. And that's why Jesus was so good at including people, because he already knew and loved every single person that he met, because not only was he the son of God, he was God, and God loves us intimately, and God already knows who we are, and God says, I love you no matter what. That's the kind of love Jesus had for people. And so our challenge as Christians is to try and love people the way that Jesus loved them, to push ourselves, to stretch ourselves, to see the world through the eyes of all kinds of different people, not just our family or our closest friends or those we know really well, but everybody that we might encounter. Our challenge as Christians is to educate ourselves on the needs and the experiences of those outside our circle, so that we might imagine what the table looks like to everybody that we hope to invite, everybody that Christ would have us invite. And so we ask questions like, is the table truly welcoming? Is the table the right height for everybody? Is there a seat open at the table? Are we looking welcome as we invite people in? And then there's another step to it as well. I think about my grandma at the restaurant, for example, and I think about that server saying, oh, we can make this work. Well, 
you know, that server was probably a teenager, I don't remember exactly, and she was doing the best that she could in a bad situation, but she shouldn't have to. The restaurant should have some things in place so that if somebody calls up and says, I need this kind of accommodation, there's a place for somebody with different needs. And so part of our challenge, too, as Christians is not just to look out for the individual people that we've come to know and love, but to advocate for justice and welcome in all kinds of arenas so that if somebody with a wheelchair goes into a library, they're able to get in. If somebody with different needs comes into our church, they're able to feel welcome and accommodated. Now, inviting everybody to the same table, that's challenging because we see things differently. We have different needs. We have different things that are important to us. And we're not always going to agree. But it's a challenge that Jesus calls us to again and again, not just in the scripture, but throughout the narrative of the Gospels, including people, a wide variety of people, all kinds of people, is a core value here at Clarkston United Methodist Church. And in fact, we have a statement of inclusion that's important to who we are. We distributed it to everybody who got a Church in the Box kit last fall. I don't know if you got one of those as part of our kickoff, Um, but our inclusion statement was included as part of that box. But it's been a little while, so I wanted to revisit it today in this time when we're thinking about the scripture of invitation. And I want to read our inclusion statement as a refresher for all of us. So here it is. At Clarkston United Methodist Church, we believe our mission is to connect, to help connect people to each other and to God. We believe God's grace and love as revealed in Jesus Christ provide the foundation for our ministry. We believe every person is a child of God and every person is invited to know God's grace. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. We welcome all persons to our church without regard to age, race, gender, ethnic or cultural background, national origin, economic condition, marital status, sexual orientation, political affiliation, or any other means people use to categorize God's people. We recognize that there are differences among us, but we believe that when we grow in grace, we embrace diversity in our circle. We are united by our love for Christ despite the issues on which we may disagree. We believe we can love alike, even though we may not think alike, and we seek to welcome all people into Christian community and relationship with Jesus Christ. Love is at the crux of all of this. Compassion, understanding, empathy, kindness, seeing people like Jesus would see them. So then the question becomes, how do we begin to love and understand like Jesus? And that's a critical question. We keep coming back to it again and again and again as followers of Jesus. And there's no easy way to go about it. But I think one step to begin is to try to get to know people who are different from us and to learn their story, to learn what their experience has been. I recently learned about an organization out of Copenhagen, called The Human Library. I had never heard of this before. The books in this library are people, and these people have volunteered to share their stories with others through one-on-one conversation and through other kinds of events. And each story focuses on some aspect of that individual's life or reality that is often stigmatized or misunderstood. 
with a goal of helping people understand what their life is like. So one person's story in the human library is about living with PTSD. And another person's story is about having an eating disorder in a larger body, something that we don't talk a lot about in our society. Another person shares what it's like to be homeless. And there's story after story after story as people share, they volunteer to share some of these experiences that they've had. And the goal of the organization is to build, as they call it, a positive framework for conversations that can challenge stereotypes and prejudices through dialogue. They just want us to talk to one another, to ask questions, to understand that somebody else has had a different journey and a different reality than us. It's really about getting to know one another. And I know it's not always as easy as checking out a book at a human library to hear somebody's story, but Jesus invites us to start the process. And if we're nervous about actually talking with another human being, there are memoirs and there are podcasts and there are documentaries and there are all kinds of things already out there for us that teach us about different people's life experiences and situations. That's a safe place to start. We can listen to a podcast, we can listen to a book, we can intentionally seek out voices and experiences that people have had that are different from our own. And more than that, we can intentionally get to know people one-on-one -on -one in our lives who are different from us, who we may not have had the chance to invite over for dinner or invite out for coffee. And we're not all going to be experts in every single life experience or life situation, but it's important we at least start from a place of curiosity and love. So the next time we have a party or we host a meal, when we think about who we're going to invite out for lunch or coffee or just check in with and say, hey, how's it going? Jesus would invite us to mix things up. Jesus would invite us to look for that person who you never would have thought of inviting out and say, I'd like to get to know you. I'd like to hear your story. I'd like to understand your experience. And not everybody's going to say yes to that offer, by the way, but some people might. It's a chance to get to know the world through somebody else's eyes. Maybe when we get to know each other, we can collaborate and dream together about what a different kind of table might look like a different kind of meal, a different kind of party. Together as a church, as people following Jesus, let's work together to make a table where everybody's welcome. May the work continue today, tomorrow, and in the days ahead. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.